0: Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, help, and advice that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. This series is called Walk With Me, where we invite that great cloud of witnesses, the saints, more deeply into our lives by studying them and learning how to imitate them in our ordinary, everyday mission as mothers. Is not the luxury of the few. It is the simple duty for you and for me. We have been created for that. So let us be holy. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I have always loved Mother Teresa. Since I was a little girl, she has fascinated and inspired me just to give my complete all to Jesus, just like she did. Encountering such a radical example of self-donating discipleship and love for Him at such an early age gave me a true taste of what my soul longed for, radical dependence on God. Of course, I didn't really understand what that meant as a young girl reading books about her that I found in the bookstore, but I did know that starting at around eight years old, I began to sense a real hunger for God that in me I couldn't explain. I'm going to give you a really brief synopsis of my story to better illustrate how I found Mother Teresa in my motherhood, but to do that, I kind of have to start back where I was with that hunger that I had as a kid. That hunger grew, even as I experienced trauma after trauma, both interior and exterior, growing into my teenage and tween years. The hunger grew in proportion to the loneliness and isolation I felt as the effects of those emotional traumas and abandonment issues surfaced in many ways in my life. That hunger continued as I dipped into the murky waters of substance abuse and sexual exploration. In what can only be described as a miracle, that hunger facilitated and continued during a powerful conversion experience that in every way possible, sheltered and redeemed and protected my high school years and kept me safe from sure statistical plunge into darkness. In that conversion, my hunger for radical discipleship was renewed, and I walked faithfully and deeply with God for about 10 years, growing in the disciplines of mental prayer and study and meditation. There was a much fruit during this period of my life and I point to it as sort of the first fulfillment of my destiny when I discovered who and what I was and found my true center in the person of Jesus Christ. But during my 20s I began to feel isolated and pressured under the weight of the life that I felt had been created for me by others and their expectations for me I felt that I had pushed into some very I had been pushed in to some very serious decisions and was feeling awful about it and wrought to my core. The shame I felt was suffocating. I wanted to follow God, but I had too many things, and I, I let too many things put their grip on my identity, and my life was sort of a hazy mix of what others thought I should do and what I realized I wasn't called to do. My days slowly slipped into isolation and loneliness. The circumstances that didn't fit who I really was started to press on me. The death of my oldest brother kicked off a nasty bout of delayed depression that confused me. I felt desperate to really live and to feel something again. I wanted to reject what I had done. I wanted to be free. And so... I walked away from the very good people, the very people who loved me the most, all of them. I walked away from those people who I wrongly associated with all that was causing me pain, and I walked straight into the arms of deception. I began to distance from my faith as the cords of depression wrapped their slow and comfortable tentacles around my neck. I stopped listening to God because it was quote-unquote God that had caused me to make the decisions that were now threatening to suffocate me. This was an erroneous and dangerous lie I traded for the truth of God's word, but I wasn't in God's word anymore. You see, I had stopped listening to God. My depression escalated into self-destruction as I isolated from everyone around me, because I didn't feel that one person I knew could help me or even understand how complicated and layered this pain was that I was in. Substance abuse, again, surfaced gently from underneath the waves of my genetic imprint and my emotional past, and it beckoned me to escape once again. For six years following, I engaged in an extremely dangerous lifestyle, marked by unhealthy relationships, both with people and with alcohol, drugs, and other unhealthy practices. The green grass on the other side that I had been seeking and the quote-unquote freedom I desired soon became riddled with burrs and thorns and chains. Satan had a field day in my heart during those six years. I am still recovering from the mental, emotional, physical, and psychological damage I did to my body and my soul during that six years. When I was finally delivered from that life, I was not the same confident, easygoing human I had been before it. I now suffered from debilitating anxiety, I believe from years of being able to cope with life on life's terms without substances. Multiple addictions came with this resurfacing, all of which I am living free from For about seven years now. Thanks be to God. And I also came out with a giant sense of shame. That God is now refining every day into a more beautiful and perfect gift to the world and to my family. Humility. I did and I said and I participated in things during that time that make me shudder. I betrayed and I lied to people I loved. I never hurt or harmed anyone but myself but I robbed my family of their daughter, their sister, their companion, and I pushed them to the edges of my life. The darkness and the hell I met face to face with in those years is enough to sober and quiet me to this day at its memory. I walk with a visible emotional limp, to use a biblical uh, allusion. Those who live near me see it, and they love me soul deep in spite of it. And I'm so grateful that God's precious presence soothes this limp and salves it every day and heals me more and more. I sit here before you, a shaking, trembling, ripped, but waving white flag raised to God. I finally surrendered, and God redeemed me. I surrendered, and God met me with his love. I surrendered. And God took my ravaged little soul and He cared for it with the hands of a tender physician. I surrendered and I began to see God giving me back the years that those locusts had eaten. And I surrender is the motto of my life. It is what has led me to lose myself in the arms of Jesus in prayer. It is what has led me to bury myself in the practice of intentional motherhood and in the study of the saints, the scripture, the tradition, and contemplative spirituality. It is what has led me to you. It is where Gathering Manna was born. The place where I found again on my knees the purpose of why I am here. To love him, to serve him, and to teach other girls like me how to do the same. And so what on earth does any of this have to do with Mother Teresa? As a little girl, she represented warmth and tenderness, cheerfulness, peace, and confidence in God. She returned to me again as an adult with those things in her arms, and she brought with her her love for Our Lady. She was one of the ones I found again on that journey home, and boy did I need her. Because walking away from that lifestyle was amazing. And soon after it came love, true sacramental love, and babies. There was just one problem. I was a mess. I was an anxious, irrational, postpartum, post-addiction, PTSD mess. I had very little coping skills. What little coping ability I ever had had been lost to my previous lifestyle and to the permanent damage that I had done to my brain receptors and emotional wellness. And I was bowing under the weight of all of these new incredible blessings that God was giving me. I I wasn't able to enjoy them fully because I didn't have any skills to deal with the big feelings and the struggles. I began to feel the cords sneaking up from the ground under my feet again depression, restlessness. Only this time I knew what to do. I flung myself at his feet and I begged him to help me. I boldly asked him for the grace of a deeper conversion once again and to strip everything from me that was not of him. I told him that I needed him to invade my soul and claim every inch for himself. I told him that I would not rest until every ounce of my being was his alone. I asked him to give me real tools that I could use to build a life that honored him, and I asked him for help from the saints. It was then that I remembered the radical love and self-donation of Mother Teresa, and I called on her to help me, to mother like she did. He set to work. She set to work in my soul, and she taught me how to be the mama that I wanted to be, and she's still doing it today, little by little, step by step. In the next two sessions, I'm going to unpack all that Mother Teresa can be to us as Catholic mothers. I'm going to share the wisdom that I've gained from studying her words and her life, and how you can put it into practice in your own motherhood journey. I want to share some of my favorite quotes from Mother Teresa now as a framework for our discussion. We must become holy, not because we want to feel holy, but because Christ must be able to live his life fully in us. We will become the means of great sanctity to ourselves and to others. Make every effort. To walk in the presence of God and to see God in everyone you meet. We must not drift away from humble works. It is never too small. Be faithful in the little things, for in them our strength lies. To the good God, nothing is small. The moment we have given it to him, it becomes infinite. Yes, my dear children, be faithful in the little practices of love, in little fidelities, which will build in you the life of holiness and make you Christlike. Be true co-workers of Christ, radiate and live His life. Be an angel of comfort to the sick, a friend to the little ones, and love each other with a special and intense love. Be kind to one another in your homes. Be kind to those who surround you. Be kind and merciful. Let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Love begins at home. It is easy to love people far away. It is not so easy to love those close to us. It is easier to give a cup of rice to relieve hunger than to relieve the loneliness and pain of someone unloved in our own home. Bring love into your home. Empty yourself of the need to have everything beautiful and easy. Our sufferings are a grace. Enter in and we can endure all things. And that last one was uh, by Patty Robinson. And our last one from mother Teresa, it is not how much we have to give but how empty we are so that we can receive fully in our life and let him live his life in us in you today he wants to relive his complete submission to his father allow him to do so this is the poverty of jesus You and I must let him live his life in us and through us to the world. God cannot fill what is full. He can only fill empty spaces. The first thing that Mother Teresa taught me and can teach all of us is how to see people as God sees them. And I'm not talking about some pat christian nauseam about everyone is special and god made me that's true but it's overspouted and therefore under impactful i'm not talking about pat phrases but about a paradigm shifting worldview altering realization with your will of this truth about who people really are and here's a hint there's a whole lot more to them than you see it does not matter how someone affects you, makes you feel, or how annoying they're being. You have never laid eyes on a human being that isn't being passionately pursued by the heart of Christ. We can either live in the shadowlands of being driven by what we feel, or we can step into the rock solid truth of what Jesus Christ and his disciples have declared about you, me and everyone else. When it comes to the people in your home, you are a missionary and your mission is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. And sometimes that looks like hugs. Sometimes that looks like breathing deep and biting your tongue. Sometimes that looks like hardcore discipline and calling out bad behavior consistently. But it is always your mission to see people as god sees them mother teresa helps me to see my family the way that god sees them she helps me to see past be- to see past behavior to the need behind it her example calls me out of myself to serve even as i am slighted from reading watching and studying her i am reminded that people are valuable costly and worthy of care even at personal cost to me even at their weakest most vulnerable sickest most annoying antagonistic and distressing points even on their worst days his love for them made them worthy of my kindness my tenderness and of a compassionate hug or smile she reminds me to see Jesus in them and to comfort and console him in them. Mother Teresa, more than any other saint, I think, really understood the presence of Jesus in other people. I've told this story a hundred times in various resources, and we have it gathering that we have it gathering manna, but I'm gonna tell it again because it perfectly reflects her awareness of him everywhere and in everyone. In one of the books that I read, um, the author tells a story about Mother Teresa um, being interrupted, so to speak, by a reporter who needed to take some pictures and ask her some questions. When he came, she was in the chapel praying and she was very much lost in prayer with Christ, very much um, in deep prayer and intimacy with God. And he was afraid, he could see this as he was waiting for her outside and he was afraid to interrupt her. So finally, he waited and waited, and then one of the sisters said, Just just go on in. Just kneel down next to her and and, and wait, and she'll, she'll see you, and she'll know what you need. So reluctantly, he does this. He goes and he kneels down next to her. He takes off his shoes like she had. And the, the author says that um, it was at that moment that Mother Teresa stopped praying and turned to him with the most beautiful, welcoming, loving smile on her face and just helped him and answered his questions and did everything as if she had never been interrupted at all. And then when she was done, she immediately turned from the man back to Jesus in prayer and was once again lost in prayer as if he had never even interrupted her. And what I found so compelling about this story, and this is what the author wanted to get across as well, was how She went from Jesus in prayer to Jesus in that man seamlessly, as if there were no interruption. It was just one way of communing with him to another. She was able to see Jesus in him and to to give him what he needed um, without any trouble. And I knew when I read that story that that was one of my biggest struggles with my kids was or just from with anyone of being interrupted when I was in the middle of something or having my plans derailed. And as a mom of small children, there's, there's not a point in our day or in your day also, um, that I'm not in danger of being interrupted, even from my most worthy pursuits. Sure. I get lucky sometimes, but if my babies are home, they are orbiting around mama and believe it or not, that is a gift guys. God has designed their little hearts to see in our hearts, that north star. And developmentally, spiritually, emotionally, that's appropriate. But it's also mind-numbingly exhausting sometimes, right? The ticket that I found to stay in the deep waters of grace with this is not to leave those waters when they come to us with that need or that proverbial empty cup that needs filling. To see these interruptions as she saw them, as a seamless shift from Jesus in prayer to Jesus in the person in front of you. So if we can stay in those abundant waters of grace, just keep calmly treading and fill from those waters instead of from our own depleted hearts, We may be on to the secret of how to thrive in this and not just survive. Because if indeed, as she said, he is in everyone who comes to us, then even the most trying behaviors can become encounters with him that will fill us up instead of drain us. If we stay in grace, if we breathe, if we keep treading, if we stay calm, if we call on him, if we look for him, he will make himself known to us even in these things. These are the distressing disguises she talks about and they most often play out in our vocations as mothers and wives. My last point for today is that Mother Teresa shows me that I am a missionary on loan from God to the world and my family is a part of that mission. When a missionary is sent, they spend a good time or a good amount of time assessing the culture and learning it. They learn the language, the customs, the jokes, the nuances, the colloquialisms. They're always listening, watching, and learning all the time. They learn the point of need, too. They learn the spiritual climate They learn what God hunger looks like in that culture, and they figure out how to feed and satiate that hunger in a way that those particular people can understand. In essence, they're incarnating again the love of God in that culture. Mother Teresa saw no difference between what she was doing in Calcutta and what we need to be doing in our homes. She said that many, many times. She was very concerned about the level of what she called spiritual poverty, particularly in America, and she wasn't referring to just poor catechesis as much as the plague of loneliness she described as far worse than anything she had ever seen in Calcutta. Even among the poorest of the poor, those people were loved, some by their families and some by the missionaries. Mother Teresa was very concerned about the fact that there were so many people here who had everything they could ever need, but felt completely alone, unloved and abandoned here in the US. And further, that within our own families, she admonished us to be very, very careful to make sure that our love was being perceived by our family. She admonished us as mothers to be the sunshine in our homes, to be kind, gentle, and remember that we are here to communicate a message, not about us, but about God, to them. Loneliness and feeling unloved, unlistened to, are things she described as unacceptable in family life. Mother Teresa taught us how to treat people in line with how God sees them, not just to see them as God sees them, but to actually treat them in line with that reality. It really does no good to see people as God sees them if we still treat them as if they are in violation of some universal law because they stepped on our toes from time to time. Rather, it is more true that it is me who is in violation of universal truth when I treat other people as if they are an inconvenience to me because it's not about me, is it? Oh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, teach us to choose actions that communicate the vision of God to the people in our families. When we choose love, we extend the gaze of Christ. When we let him live his life in us, His eyes are gazing in love through us to the ones for whom he lives and dies. With your help, dear saint, we can begin to see interruptions as opportunities to love and comfort Jesus and others. We can begin to respond to distressing situations with tenderness and calm, seeing them as invitations to soothe others and to practice peacefulness ourselves in the love of God. With your help, we can begin to bring a fragrance of mercy into our homes. At Gathering Manna, inspired by Mother Teresa, we have created an e-course that focuses on this very thing. The Merciful Mama is quickly gaining popularity and bringing relief and joy to Catholic moms all across the country. This seven-session e-course is quick and low-maintenance, but it has the power to transform your motherhood with encouragement and grace. There will be a link to learn more in the podcast notes today, and you can always email us at gatheringmannaformoms at gmail.com to ask questions or to learn more as well. We would be so thrilled for you to join us. Next week, we'll explore more ways that Mother Teresa shows us how to model Christ in our motherhood. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. May you experience His presence in real ways.